Life's Third Act is a podcast dedicated to helping you get the most out of your retirement. Sponsored by Tucker Allen, attorney CPA Joe Cordell features guests each week to discuss prominent topics for those over 55. Here's attorney CPA Joe Cordell. Welcome to another episode of Life's Third Act. Uh, This week ought to be a lot of fun, Jill. Uh, we We want to talk to you about something very positive. Some of our recent episodes... I know they're helpful, and I'm convinced they're interesting to you because we we work at that. But sometimes they relate to things that are not, you know, as happy to talk about or not as fun to talk about. Sometimes, you know, the end-of-life issues, et cetera. So we want to talk about what makes life's third act, that last third of your life, what can make it fuller, more pleasurable than the previous two. And this is an example of that opportunity today, an opportunity that, believe it or not, you could consider. And we want you to hear from some people who've chosen to use their retirement years in a, I wouldn't say original way, but a way that's not common, meaning there's not a lot of people doing this, but I think there'll be a whole lot more people doing this soon. Uh, Do you want to make an introduction, Jill? Yes, I do. And we have a full house today. We have Bill and Nancy Thomas. They're the owners of Bill Thomas Camper Sales in Wentzville, and they have also traveled in a motorhome during retirement. And their daughter, Billy Jo Eubank, uh, who is an event planner with the business. Um, And we want to thank you all for being here. Um, You know, I want to start off, first of all, asking you about when you started your business, how many years ago was that? That was in the 60s? Yes, yes. And oh, wait, now what business was that, though? We need to set that up. The, well, Bill Thomas Camper Sales. So you started out in, in the business of camper sales. Well, how it started was uh, my dad was in the automobile business, and uh, I was home from college, uh, and I worked for him. And one day a guy drove into the dealership in a pickup truck with a camper on the back of it. And uh, there were 17 salespeople, but they didn't, they went the other way when he drove in. They knew he wasn't going to buy a car. So uh, I started talking with him. What they were doing was, uh, what he was doing was looking for someone to set up a dealership to sell truck campers. Now, how old were you at the time? 22. 22 years old, yeah. Uh, First time I'd ever seen, and anybody else had not seen a truck camper with a bed over the top of the cab, a dinette seat that would fold and make a bed, a little sink, a two-burner stove, and an ice box. Now, Bell, what year was this? About 1962 or three. I don't remember Early 60s, exactly, yeah. Okay. But, uh, uh, the reason I, uh, that's not when I started my business, that's when this all came about. Strong roots are essential for a healthy tree, especially your family tree. That's why you work hard to take care of your family every day. At Tucker Allen, we know that taking care of your family means planning for the future. Our team provides personalized estate planning to help you protect your family, your legacy, and your future. From wills and trusts to long-term care and estate planning, count on Tucker Allen. Personalized estate planning made simple. Being in the car business, the customer may be the same person, but they're they're different when they're buying a car or when they're buying an RV. But back then, they were called campers. 
They didn't start calling them RVs till many years later as a recreation vehicle. But anyway, uh, uh, we, we had to, I talked my dad into buying three of them. And they were enormously high, $800 a piece. $800, and that's nothing today. For <laughs> yeah, one, you yeah. know, I mean. $800. And uh, uh, we bought three of them, and they shipped them here from California and put them out there on concrete blocks right in front. And the sales guys, they just went the other way. But some customers came in from Chillicothe, Missouri, a man and his wife, First one, and I opened the door, and they went in and sat down, and uh, they said, how much are you selling this for? $1,295. That was the retail price. But they would have to have a pickup truck for yes, this to go they, on. Yes, okay. they had a truck. And uh, they said, well, let us talk about it a minute. And uh, I said, okay. And then they said, yes, we'll, we just wanted to find out whether we were going to finance part of it or pay cash. And we decided we'll just write a check for it. Okay, thank you. And uh, so that sold the first one. That sold the first one. And I, I, I don't remember, but I sold all three of them because the other guys were car people. You know, they were selling cars. And uh, after that, I said to my dad, I said, you know, these people are. They don't need one, but they want one. And that's a different situation, yeah. you yeah. know. Uh, it, it felt like that way to me, and so I, I remember saying to him, uh, "You know, someday I'd like to have a business where all I sell is campers, and not cars." And you were age twenty-two. Yeah, and uh, he said, "I don't think the car, I don't think the camper business will ever be able to stand on its own, but it might be a nice sideline to the car business." Well, after. A few years, I, I, in fact, in, within a couple of years, I, I opened up a store on North Lindbergh, my own lot. My rent was $135 a month, and I took my $150 check, which is a net of $126, and opened up Bill Thomas Camper Sales. And uh, so that's where it started. That's, and, and the rest is history. Yes. <laughs> so so you, were, you were selling cars and campers or just campers? Oh, just campers. That's when I, you know, I left my uh-huh, dad's yeah. dealership. And that was in 1965. But in the meantime, we, uh, my uncle, he opened up a little lot there for me to run to sell campers. And then uh, I decided to be in business for myself, which he helped me do. And uh, he floor planned them for me, so to speak, you know. And I'd buy, I had to buy three at a time, and I would have 25 or 30 of them at a time. And everybody started buying campers. Yeah. And, you know, I never heard of an Airstream before. You told me what they were. They're those silver vehicles. Yeah. And and I did not know what those were. And then when you described them, I'm like, oh, yeah, I see them on the highway all the time. And then, you know, getting to go on our field trip to the dealership, saw so many of them, and they were just so gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, they really were. They're known as kind of like the Rolls Royce, are they not? They yeah. yeah. Well, they, They're yeah. top of the line. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I might add that I started then on July 15, 1965, that we I was Bill Thomas Camper Sales. And, uh, and then in January of 1967... 
I signed up to buy, uh, to become an Airstream dealer. Really? In 67? In 1967. So how long had Airstream been around? Since the uh, 30s. Okay, so it it was well established. A guy named Wally Byam founded Airstream. Well, it wasn't really well established because not many people were buying Airstreams. Right, so it wasn't widely known at the time. But you were on to something, you know, apparently. uh, they uh, they had several dealers at the time, but not in St. Louis, and uh, so we became the dealer in uh, 1967. Where were you located? On uh, North Lindbergh, right across from the old airport terminal building on North Lindbergh, and I was there 35 years. Then the airport bought us out, and we moved to Wentzville in 2000. Okay, I bet some of our viewers remember. Oh, your... absolutely. I'm sure they would have to. We have sold. Thousands of airstreams. Thousands. Now, now, of all the motorhomes you could have chosen to travel around in, why why did you choose an airstream? Well, the 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 thing is, airstream didn't build motorhomes until. The, I mean, there was other people building motorhomes at the time. So, the, uh, I I was a dealer, so. I had an Airstream motorhome, and I, I also sold a product called Holiday Rambler, and they built I remember motorhome. Holiday Rambler. Yeah. 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 I was, and I signed up with them just a day or two, I mean, a year or two after I started with Airstream. So and, what, uh, what makes you uh, t- talk about why Airstream is a great product to, um, to own and to travel in? As an insider and somebody who's traveled in. Well, the tra- they're really their claim to fame is the trailer. They've built motorhomes before. They were really never as successful as somebody that built a square box motorhome. That would that had the, 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 the vehicle built inside it, so to speak. Yes. Well, no, they, they would buy a chassis, just the rails and a steering wheel. And they would build everything on it, and then the the, the the it could be on a Ford chassis or a Freightliner chassis or, or whatever. But uh, uh, but Airstream, they were never as successful in the motorhomes. Sold a lot of them, but nothing like the rest of the industry. You know, they became Winnebago. They were the the started in Iowa, and they they were the start of the motorized yeah, I class a motorhomes mm-hmm. yeah and uh well so then but but and i do now now that you mentioned it i remember that the first airstreams i saw were trailers yes and yes. and they were very nice looking and and so what are the advantages of having a really cool place that you're traveling staying in that you can detach from your vehicle versus where it's the vehicles built into the well the, the whole difference is Motorhome or travel trailer. And then, you know, they even make now what they call fifth wheels. It's a trailer, but it fits up in the back of a truck on a fifth wheel like, it. you know, it has an overhang mm-hmm. on it. But uh, uh, Airstream's claim to fame is the round and shiny yeah. classic trailer that when you see it coming down the road, you know there's it. no question you know what that is. And what are the advantages, though, of the, this travel trailer versus motorhome? Well, being able to, say, take your vehicle somewhere and park the trailer in a pad, have it all hooked up, water, electric, sewer, 
and then have your vehicle to drive. Yeah, to go and, where you want. Right. That right, seems so much right. better to me. I often wonder when I know that you sold a lot of motorhomes, but yeah. but yeah. still. I've often thought the idea that you have to take your home with you to go down to well, the gas station. No, you always pull something. We would you like we car. traveled a pull lot a in a motorhome, and we towed. They make the where you all the cars now are made where they be able to put them in neutral, not cars necessarily, but uh, uh, some sort of vehicle. Say a, a Chevrolet uh, a Suburban or the their smaller ones. And they make a tow bar that hooks onto the front, and, and you tow that. And when you get there, you unhook it, and you've got your car to drive around, and you you leave your motorhome there. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I see that. But I still—the uh, idea of a trailer seems— uh, Well, there's a lot more travel trailers sold than motorhomes. There are. I oh, didn't yes, know that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Well, yes. and you know, the, the Airstream just seems more user-friendly to me than one of those huge RVs that, you know, are like mini mansions. And I, I always think of that movie with Lucille Ball <laughs> and Desi Arnaz, <laughs> the, the long, long, long trailer yes. where they're going, driving up that mountain. And it's <laughs> really, oh, you're on the edge of your seat, so scared for him. But they do Some of seem... our listeners will not know what you're talking about. Because... <laughs> oh, come on. Everybody knows that movie. Um, but it, um, they do. They seem more user-friendly to me. Well, in our business, uh, uh, Airstream builds now a motorhome, but it's really uh, it's, it's built on a Mercedes chassis. Hmm. And uh, you thought you bought about five of them for the price. You know, they're very expensive, but they're That's first class. Nice. What's the give me, Tell me approximately what that would cost. About $275,000. Man, oh, man. Wow. Yeah. Has slide-outs. Has what? Has a slide-out slide on out. it. And it. I mean, it's... A slide-out making the room bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so those are... But, it, but it's... it's if, I've seen that. If you have a Mercedes car... It has all the bells and whistles. It'll park itself. It'll it'll do all these things. So will this motorhome. They build it. Airstream is the only one that builds they don't it with call every. Uh, well, they, what do they call it? Do you know? I mean, it's, but it's, it's similar. A, a Class C. Uh, is you know we call it an Airstream Classic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Motor. You know. I mean, that's. So that's so let me is. go back a step and then we'll come forward. So you sold your business. No. No. Okay, you still is the business still there? Yes. Yes, yes in Wentzville. Okay. So when you said we moved to Wentzville, you were saying you moved your business to Wentzville. Well, the airport bought the property because we were right across from the old airport uh, on I North see. Lindbergh, North the old airport terminal building. That's where we started. And then uh, they started talking about buying up that property to expand the airport. At another runway. So right. you just sold the land, and yes. then you moved to Winsville. I'm yes. sorry, I wasn't clear on that. Yeah. So, yeah. so the and lot the, that you visited was theirs. Yeah. So just so that's clear, and the, the videos you're seeing, you know, actually belongs yeah, that, well, to. Well, we've been Nancy. there now uh, over 20 years in Winsville. Right. Yeah. So now, what are your plans for this business? Is this going to become a family heirloom or something? <laughs> Well, her husband, my son-in-law, he, you know, I own the company, he runs the company, and I stay out of the way. I do peek over their shoulder once a while. Well, Nancy, what do you do? Do you participate? Oh, some. Not, you know, not a a lot. I used to work in the business. Uh Uh-huh. 
Well, you direct Bill, and Bill directs them, so maybe yeah. that's... Yeah, well, we're still kind of involved. My son-in-law, Bradley, is uh, well-educated and probably had no idea that he would ever wind up in the RV business. His dad was a... <laughs> FBI agent and, oh my God, uh, yeah. from Pine Bluff, Arkansas. And he so, was a banker. And he, and he, he was working <laughs> he for my you, bank. Yes. Look what he gets into. Right. Well, I don't think he'd ever been in an RV before no, he married no, me. No. Well, he must be a quick study, though. Yeah. <laughs> there were a couple things I wanted to add about. You were asking about, you know, why an Airstream over, you know, a different mm-hmm. brand, let's say. I mean, yeah. there's all kinds of good brands. I do think Airstream is designed to be aerodynamic. They're aluminum. They're very lightweight. So, Scott, when we were out at the dealership, I think he explained to you that, like, you know, certain, ve- or, excuse me, certain trailers need a certain vehicle to tow with. Right, Whereas Airstream, right. I think you can go, lo- like, it's a lower capacity. Well, it's 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 no doubt the easiest travel trailer to tow because of its shape. You know, you pull yeah, it down with the wind and it's shape. smooth. And uh, I, that was the founder, Wally Byam, that was his claim to fame. In fact, when I first became an Airstream dealer in 1967, uh, we went to... Uh, where'd we go? What was it? I, but anyway, the guy got up and spoke... And he said, here's 10 things. We were in New Orleans. New, New, New Orleans. Orleans. That's where okay. we were. Yeah, anyway, he said, here's 10 things that if you will do, I guarantee you'll be successful. And one of the things on there was have a vehicle hooked on to an Airstream. So when someone came in, you took them for see. a test drive towing this Airstream. And the older the car and the more uglier it was, just make sure it runs good because that's what uh, that was their selling point. And, and that really just embedded in everybody that they uh, but I also remember when the first Airstream went over $10,000 retail price, I said, you guys are crazy. There's nobody going to pay $10,000. <laughs> Who'd have thought? Now, this but, when was that? What year? Ballpark. 1967. Oh, it's $10,000? Yes. Wow. 67? And, and <laughs> a new truck was 2500 So <laughs> That's a big number. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, if you compare it and to And everything is relative, Today. you know, as you go yeah. move on, how much you make, how much things cost. Gas was $0.22 cents a gallon. Boy. Nobody's as old as me. You know, when I... <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, when I was started out doing this, I, I was selling Airstreams to my grandparents. They were all, I was like yeah. 24 years old. So there they, was an appeal. They were 60 year old people well, retired. Well, let me ask you, let me take this out of my ear. Let me ask you that, that question though. What percent of the people who buy these are people who are over 60? Would you say today? Not anymore. Not like it was. It was. And what's really strange about it, and Bradley showed me this the other day, the average RV buyer now is 33 years old. Oh, really? Yeah. Now, that doesn't mean it's the classic Airstream buyer. You know, those are generally people that are experienced enough to know that it's worth the investment to buy this. And, and, And the other thing Airstream had going for it, it had... A club that you had to own an Airstream to be a member of this club. And if you see an Airstream coming down the road, it's got red numbers on the front top of it. 
and you can pick up your book with your Wally Bynum book. Oh, that's 2207. That's Bill and Nancy Thomas from St. Louis. Wave to them as they go by. But there has been a 62% Mm. increase in recent years of people 55 and older buying. Absolutely. You know, and especially since, you know— the pandemic, people that, you know, we've seen more people doing that. It so, was a safer way to travel. Um, well, they can work in it. Well, yeah. sure, sure. They can travel to Florida and still work. Everybody well, was working you know, from home. Working yeah. from home, that's, right. that's, 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 I don't know how much of a big impact that had, but uh, a guy's sitting at home and he's looking out the kitchen window and he's working and he sees snow on the ground and he does have an RV. He can go. We could be doing this in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Just, yes. Right. RV know, sales definitely increased during Arizona the pandemic for that reason. Yeah. People stay at, you know, people that work from home could now work on the road. Their kids weren't in school, so they could, you know, yeah, they could. do virtual learning with their children and work and travel and just see the world. Right. See well, the country, rather. Let me ask you then about about what it's like to when you travel in, say, an RV or even as a, a trailer, um, travel trailer. Are there places that are abundant where you can stay? Is, is is it restricted to some extent as to where you stay? Tell me about that as you well, travel. Well, one of the, the things how what's really changed the availability are is finding them. Used to it was in a book, it was a thick book like a telephone Woodall. book, Woodalls, and it was divided by state. And you go in there and look. Okay, we're. Uh, this is so and so. It's on Highway 67, mm-hmm. and and we can call them. Let's call them on the phone and uh, make a reservation to be there, and so on. But now it's you don't need the book anymore. They don't even make the book anymore. It's all online, and and you can just put into your phone where you want to go and and list the RV parks, and they're they're usually not right on the interstates that you can see them because the Property is too expensive, yeah. but it's maybe a mile or two off the side to uh, find. We've traveled to Alaska and back, and uh, but that was way back in 1973. They had a and few we had a, and they had a book that was called the, 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 the Bible for the highway that going to Alaska. The Alcan. So you all went to it. Now, when you would go to Alaska, you would stop and stay how many nights along the way somewhere? Oh, we we never stayed anywhere but in the airstream. I know, but I'm saying, yeah, how many how many stops would there be? Would you travel like a couple hours a day or five hours a day or eight well, hours we a day? Were, we were with another couple and their kids, and they had their trailer, and we had our trailer. And uh, we knew pretty well along the Alaskan Highway. Uh, it, there was a book that was the Alaskan Highway, and, it, and it's mile markers. And it would tell you at what mile marker there was— and, and most of those were not full hookup places. They, they were just pull-off then, areas where you could yeah. park. Yeah. You know. Well, the, yeah. the highway was still, yeah. you know, it wasn't. Now, since you've retired, what are some of the favorite places you've gone? Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, okay. Um, oh, wow. How about All you? of, you know, California. up in the north, California and, and Washington, Seattle, Washington, and all the places in between. You know, there's Michigan. It was Michigan. Like, they're all and, nice. What's yes. the longest number of days you've been on the road in your travel trailer? I guess your, nine oh. weeks when we went to Alaska. Nine weeks? Mm-hmm. That's a long time. And you With all three did, kids. 
<laughs> How old were your kids at the time? Billy Joe, do you remember? I was probably three. So oh, wow. This was a while ago. Like weird, <laughs> random things. But right. I see lots of pictures, so that may trigger my memory. I'm not sure. Now, the campgrounds are probably better now, then. Oh, of course. Lovely. You are saying that they're, they weren't quite so they're nice. They're like but... a resort, like a spa. They've got everything there. They well, got, they can be. They got golf. They got <laughs> they pools. Can be. They, they can got be. Stores, You'd be they surprised how many casinos have RV parks. That oh. When you go and you pull in there and park, man, they're glad to see you. And this oh, price yeah. is really reasonable. And you just raise that flag out in front. Looks like a mailbox. Just put that flag up, and the bus will come by and pick you up and take mm. you up to the casino. Wow. And now that's drive smart. You. <laughs> that is. That's good marketing They didn't there. just dream that up, you know. <laughs> Look, if somebody can afford one of those Airstreams, <laughs> well, casinos it's, it's not would love only, to. You know, the, I think uh, the when we talk about this as being retirement and so on, it really should be talked about as an RV, a recreation vehicle, whether it be a motorhome, whether it be an, a travel trailer. I mean, other than a motorhome, so many different brands made, but there's many different styles of travel trailers. And, and Airstream is the classic because it's older than anybody else's products. A lot of people that would uh, say we're going to retire and go to Florida or and spend a lot of time, they might want a travel trailer with slide outs and more living room in it, a place for a washer and dryer and every amenity. Yeah. yeah. So is it realistic to, say, for example, go to Florida uh, in an RV and to stay for an extended period of time in it there, to park it and oh, for yes. a couple months? Absolutely. Well, Lots of people do that. They call them condo lots. You can buy a lot. Yeah, see, a lot of them, guys, developed these RV parks, uh, Hilton Head. I mean, they've got a couple of them right on that island that one is just for motorhomes and the other one is just for travel trailers. And people own the And lot. they own the site. And while you're not there, they rent it out to people, people to— And you get the income. So that it doesn't cost okay. you much to do it. Now, you know. Billy Joe, huh. you would— told me about something called Harvest Host. Yes. What is that exactly? Well, it's 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 interesting to me. I actually just found out about it, um, and I think it sounds wonderful. So basically, if you're familiar with Airbnb, right. say, mm-hmm. a lot of people go to the Airbnb website or the app, and you just kind of type in where you're going. Well, with Harvest Host is you pay an annual fee to be a member. It's $99. And if you go to their website... A webs- year. A year, yes. Okay. It's an annual fee. Um, and... Really, I mean, you can just go to their website and pull it up and it has a map of the United States and there's these pins everywhere. There's almost, there's like 3,998 uh, harvest hosts in our country. So what it is, is if let's say I'm making a trip to California and I plan my trip, I'm going to go through Colorado and Utah and Arizona and make my way up. Well, I can call or go online, book my stays at a harvest host and it's totally free it is boondocking which boondocking means no hookups so you're not gonna have water or electric but your travel trailer or your rv would be you know self-sustainable like right. you've got elect you know your water and solar panels and self-contained yes right um so most people probably stay one or two nights it's more or less a stop along the way but they have them at wineries distilleries uh farms um 
they just ask that you patronize their business. So if they have a winery, maybe you buy a couple bottles of wine or if they have a restaurant on their farm, you know, they would like for you to come have dinner with them or whatever. So it's a win-win for both. It's a win-win for both. And I mean, it's, I think if you go to their website, I mean, they have more than just what I'm listing. I think they actually partner with art museums in bigger cities. So I don't know how that works, but I know that they, wow. they've partnered with other museums and things like that. So, And uh, is there, what's the fee for membership? It's $99 a year and that's all you pay for the whole year. So okay. you could travel all year to Harvest Host and stay for free if you wanted. But I think a lot of times people use well, them just have, to get from point A to point yeah, B. You know, stop to along the way. Generally, if and... someone's doing that, it's they're traveling. So they're not planning on stopping at a host just to stay four or five nights, you know, because they mm-hmm. wouldn't have hookups. Right. If you're going to stay somewhere, you want to just be in an RV park that has the pad with water, sit electric, and so on, and even shower houses and laundromats and things like that. They're, they're, and the beautiful thing uh, about RVing, you're always at home when you're in your RV. You yeah. take everything. Like when we travel, we take, you know, I take my crystal and my china and, and all the beautiful things you have at home. So, I mean, you know, it's it's great. Who wants? I personally don't want to stay in a motel, not in today's world. Yeah, yeah. And so the couple that we traveled with, uh, they like to cook, and I like to make the salad and set up the tables, and we always had beautiful dinners. And to play cards every night. I mean, it's just a wonderful <laughs> way, you know, you take all the things you love with you, your clothes. And still be on this great adventure yes, on the open road. Exactly, yeah. and get away from the city. I think, I think, I always say to my husband, I think the reason that people today are traveling as much in RVs, fortunately, we live on property. You know, we've got a lake in their house and woods. But people that live in an apartment are in a neighborhood where your houses are like this. Mm-hmm. How wonderful to get in to your get RV out. and go out in the country and, and go to the, the Harvest Host would be great or go to RV parks. And, I right. mean, it's a wonderful way of life. And there's mm-hmm. lots of places that, like if a guy's got an apartment, he can't park the trailer out in his front yard. There's places that store trailers. Oh, you, yes, and it's oh. a, they're, that's a business in its own. A guy has a little piece of property out in Wentzville off Highway in. And there might be a hundred campers parked in there. You have an assigned place and a pass key to get in. There's, you know, that's where you store it. So is that often an issue with maybe the bylaws of certain neighborhoods? Absolutely, that, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You've seen that come up where yeah. they forbid that. It. Right. Is that common? That's typical. Yes, Some areas. So. depends on the neighborhood and uh, and where you park it. And and if you don't, they don't like to see them out front. If you've got room to move it to the back, you don't get any. Right. You know, it's if someone complains and they can go to the city and neighborhood and, association. Know, that used to right, be sure. in the beginning a problem that uh, people would buy one and. They didn't have a place to park it, or they'd park it on the street in front of their house. Well, that didn't that doesn't work, go over so, well. So, so a cost, I guess, to owning one then is someone would have to figure that they all need to park it somewhere. What what does it typically cost if you park 
Store well, it. Store storage. Store it, I, I guess, I, is the word. I have, I have never stored one, so I don't really know. <laughs> I yeah. know. That's one question I don't know either. You don't have to do because you all live out on acreage. <laughs> well, well we have yeah. a lot. I mean, we have a, a business. We can, can, yeah, right. yeah, there you go. You've got you a just whole lot. put it on the lot. <laughs> but we have, if we were using one for an extended yeah. period of time, it uh, it's parks in our driveway. We have plenty of room to park an Airstream where we've had a 45-foot diesel pusher motorhome in there and we hooked the car on it. So have you had anybody over the years, uh, especially in recent years, who has lived long-term in one of those? You know, you hear about people doing very adventurous things and like, for example, there are people who live on cruise ships, believe (laughs) it or not. And it's not very expensive. If you do the math, it actually (laughs) is amazing how affordable. That's that's what you call full-timers. And there are people who live oh, full. T- oh, yes. Oh, yeah. It's they, a common thing. what do they do? They go to south when it's warm, and they go north. I mean, when it's cold north, they go south and vice versa. Yes. And they have places. That is amazing. So they, you can live full time oh, if you're willing there's to. There's a lot of people that live full time. And not necessarily retired people. You know, the, the Airstream has its own section of the club that are full timers. And, uh, that, it, I didn't know that that was a thing. And what's thing. nice about Airstream Club, too, they have these called the freewheelers. These women that are widowed or men that are widowed are the women are, are not married. Yeah, they call them freewheelers. I love it. And they oh. all, and when we go to these rallies and things, the freewheelers have their place to park and they have their own cocktail parties and all that. And yeah. Are they the fun group? Yes. Yes. All right, let me me tell you, Bill, I I know the the statistics on this. There are probably a lot more women that are free willers. There are. Well, then when the the guy shows up. He gets married. He gets a lot of attention. attention. I bet. Usually they marry each other. I'll tell you a quick story if we can. I... uh, We have a home in Arkansas on Bull Shoals Lake, and there's a campground behind us. That's pretty down there. And I walk the dog every so often. And I look at people out there in their RVs. And I was walking along one day, and this is last year, and there's an old Airstream. And there was a guy standing out beside of it, and he was uh, cooking something. And uh, I got my dog, and I walk him. I said, boy, that's a nice old Airstream you got there. And, of course, he'd known me from Adam. And, I, and he said, yeah, yeah, I belong to my grandmother. I said, really? Yeah. So I stopped, and he comes out. We talk. Come on, you want a cup of coffee or whatever? And he said, he said, uh, yeah, my grandmother, uh, she uh, she she owned this airstream, and then uh, I got it from her. And there was a chair sitting there that had the name Jenny on the back of the chair. You could see it. And I said, uh, was that your grandmother's chair? And he said, yeah. And I said, was her last name Rogers? And he says, yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, Jenny Rogers, uh, her first husband, they bought a couple of Airstreams from me. Then he died, and she married another guy in the Airstream club. That's his wife died. What that is that? His wife died. <laughs> and then he died, and then she sold her Airstream. But in the way, when the first one died, she decided she wanted an Airstream motorized uh, van. It was built on a Ford chassis. And uh, I started telling the son, uh, the grandson, I said, I sold her that. And then when she married the other guy, I, she, I, 
got rid of her trailer, and then he died. So then she wanted a van so she could drive it and still go to the rallies. Where She's they a freewheeler. Once a month. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> but so, she was old. And he says, I said, I, the one thing I remember funny, I took her for a test drive in this motorized Airstream. She was driving. And I felt like we we're going 90 miles an hour. <laughs> she, she'd been used to driving a small car, and we're going out. And I said, Jenny, you got to slow down. And so I wind up ordering one for her, and she lived in Kansas City. She came to St. Louis to get it, and I had a little sign made that mounted on the dash. It said, Jenny, Bill says, slow down. <laughs> she sold the van and married another guy, oh. but no more air streaming for her. And he says, you know, she's in uh, assisted living in Kansas City. She's 94. Let's call her. I'm going to FaceTime her. He takes his phone, calls his grandmother, and he says, guess who I'm talking with? And she says, who? And she's, he says, Bill Thomas. And she says, Bill. And she starts talking. And then she says to her grandson, you remember the sign on my little motor home? He's the one that put the sign, Jenny, slow down. I love it. I mean, that's... Now, how did you remember her so well, though? You know... I'm, I'm impressed that you would... Well, RV, RV business is different than anything else with regard... It's kind of like you get married to all yeah. of them. Because you have a long-term relationship. Yeah, with, yeah. Especially it's, with the Airstream. Particularly the Airstream Club, because they have rallies where there might be 50 Airstreams show up and they spend the weekend it's together. It's a community. Yes, yes. And then they have international night. rallies. Where See, I could do this. There would be. It's wonderful. Uh, it really is. You yeah, know, I think so. Three thousand airstreams. Notre Dame and and in their area up there, rallies there. They're going to be in Sedalia, Missouri, in two thousand twenty-four again for a second time rally, and there'll be two or three thousand airstreams. And, wow. Uh, and Quite a club. It's, it's, it's a very it's big club. Kind of like Harley Davidson people. You know, very they, good. Very similar. Yes, the following. Yes. It's a yeah. brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. And for years, you had your own rally. It was the Bill Thomas Camper Sales We Are Family Airstream Rally that was in Sedalia every Sedalia. other year. You yeah. probably accumulated a lot of members over there. You're talking oh, about yeah. Harley. Well, Harley yeah. bought Holiday Rambler at one time. Oh, Harley Davidson really? owned it. They, wow. They're the ones that bought it from the original owner, owner. a guy named Dick Klingler. So they were kind of like in the Rambler. And they, But they knew what they were doing. You know, they... Yeah? Yeah. That is fascinating. Um, particularly the fact that some people have chosen to, as a lifestyle, live in... I'm curious about the cost if you... Obviously, you have the cost of the vehicle, whatever that is, and the... the, the whether it's a trailer or whether it's a mm-hmm. RV, but and and you said you can use the word RV to describe all these categories, yes. right? Yes. So, it, it, somebody might pay what do you think on an average on a nightly basis to stay in these? I know that there are wide ranges. I would, you know, if they've got there's different prices that they'll price. You could park in a spot that's called a pull through site, and that's where you just pull in. And don't have to unhook. You're just going to be there for a short time. Plug it into electric, hook it onto the water, put it, the hose into the sewer, stay there. And the next morning, put your slip back and drive right out. Now, the ones that they have to back into, with a, particularly a travel trailer or even a motorhome, 
in a motorhome, they may not have to, to unhook their tow vehicle that they're towing behind it, you know. So mm-hmm. that and and the nicer parks probably. I don't know how much would you say it costs us good. Just if you're driving down the highway and you pull into a motel and you want to stay at a hundred bucks a night. Well, you say it's, it was not, it's not that expensive generally. I mean, and I may be a bad most reference. east and west coast campgrounds average fifty to sixty dollars a night. Midwest would be a little cheaper, thirty to forty five dollars. And then your state parks are going to be less expensive than your private parks. And like my mom was saying earlier, like some of these campgrounds, especially like in. Um, on the East Coast and West Coast, they have like camp, or they're like resorts more or less. So you have your RV there, but there's swimming, there's tennis, there's golf, there's all these amenities. There's tennis, there's. So it, yeah, it depends on what you want. You know, you can go any, you know, from yeah. the extreme of boondocking to, you know, a state park or Corps of Engineer has a lot of great parks, which are always like near lakes and. So there, there's the gasoline expense, but then um, what about your utilities? Are, are those run well, through your. If you stay in a park like that, uh, it's included. If, it, 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 that's included in the price. The okay. Yeah. Water and electric and right. Yeah, and it's sewer. not like separate. Now, no. But there's a lot of parks that are privately owned. That they somebody comes in, spends a lot of money to build this. They've got a swimming pool. They've got a golf course, and they've got these Clubhouse. pads. And you might pay a hundred thousand dollars for that pad, and then you go back every year. You're not paying them anymore. This is you. You own that. And while you're not there, a guy that's not an owner of a place will go out there and rent that spot. Rent that out. And then they get a percentage of that. Yeah. They figured it all out, how to how to mm-hmm. make it balance out. But uh, it, it's traveling in an RV is cheaper than traveling and staying in hotels and eating in restaurants. Yeah. yeah. It's you know, much so it's, it, it, and so you can, you can travel in a... Uh, your pickup truck and stay in uh, Motel 6 and eat at Steak and Shake. Or the diner. Or you can... <laughs> I like those diners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I hear your, your point. It That would be a very interesting option. So see, one thing we... Uh, wrapping up here, what we like to introduce to the people who watch this show is the fact that there are ways that you can... You can spend, you know, a couple decades of your life that might be different from what you had in mind. I mean, there are lots of creative ideas. And that's, that's to me, true. this seems far more practical than, than those who have said, I'm going to live on a cruise ship for six months. <laughs> I mean, to me, that sounds... Um, a little much. Well, that your sounds... RV, you can bring your pets. You can go see your family. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you and can most see people that have more. an RV have a pet. Mm-hmm. They have a dog or a cat or several dogs. Absolutely. So that lifestyle is very pet-friendly. Very. Because there are cool places yeah. I would say that run. 90% or more people have an animal in their yeah. RV. Which is well, a good thing. That yes. would be in the animal love like I am. Another comment I might make, uh, instead of paying the full price for a brand new one, most dealers trade all these in, and then they recheck them over, and then they sell used. And you save a lot of money. And the, the difference between if you pack the wheel bearings and make sure everything's all set, it's just as good as a new one. And so what might somebody spend for a nice uh, RV? I don't know how to give you parameters, but just something that's nice. Uh, give us some idea if it were used. Well, anywhere, it's everything now, if it's brand new, is probably in the 25 to 
50, 60,000, and then Airstream's even more, you know, they're, they're, they're big dollars. Uh, their most expensive one's about 175,000. But used, he asked. He wanted to know about the used trailers. Oh, used ones uh, would be a lot less, you know. But uh, So somebody could get $150,000, for example, RV used for maybe, what, after five years? Do you, would it be a hundred? And maybe, yes. It depends on the condition. Yeah. But well, sure. Particularly with Airstream, you could line up 10 different Airstreams out there. Nobody could look at it and say, well, that's a 2002 and that's a 2009. Because they look very similar. Yeah. And it really and doesn't matter to people. Well. Yeah. Yeah. It really doesn't matter to the buyer, you know, if it's got what they want with a king-size bed or twin beds and it's got a washer and dryer and a fifth wheel and... You know, they. I would say the people that don't know anything about it need to go to the RV shows and go through, uh, or, yeah. or pick a dealer out that has a lot of inventory that you can see and all different phases of it. And one thing that we do, it. you always have people stay on the lot when they buy an RV if they're new owners. We have ten overnight pads at our dealership, where if oh. you're a newbie or someone new. And you're literally by doing, you know, but you're buying one. We have it just like you're going to be in a park. It's on a pad. You pl- and and they, we have guys that show you how to work they everything. They get to learn how but to spend do the it. Spend the night in it. Spend the night in it. Bring your stuff. Cook in it. And then the next morning when you've got a problem, you're not 100 miles from us. <laughs> That's good. And. Yeah. It's and really you can a plus, say, I think. Oh, it's most huge. of the time, it's not something that's went wrong. It's that you didn't know how to operate it. Yeah. You know, maybe you weren't listening to the guy when he <laughs> no. used well, because yeah, if yeah. you're new, there's a lot of things to do. Yeah, right. You're trying to it's, absorb it, a lot of it's information. It's kind of a marriage, you know, when, yeah. Uh, yeah. when you sell somebody one. So, so how long um, is it conceivable for a RV to last if somebody buys, let's say, a new I'm restoring a 1968 Airstream. So decades would be the answer <laughs> to the question, Well, particularly right? Airstream, you know, because they're yeah. the— you know, they were the first ones that – there was other little trailers, but they were not like an Airstream, you know. That, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, and we want to mention to those who are listening um, just to the audio version of our show to definitely check out uh, our YouTube so they can see our field trip to your dealership. It's, well, that's nice. It, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and let me say in conclusion um, – we I, th- this is not an infomercial. Meaning, as as I often say on this show, we have we have people on and we talk about uh, products and services and places that we're interested in and that we think you're interested in, but we have no financial relationship with any guest on this show. But I we knew it would be cool to have you guys on and to talk about this this lifestyle as an opportunity. I don't think a lot of people. I mean, you see, everyone you see is considering it, but I think there are a lot of people that don't know. That they can yeah. choose to do this. That's there, true. There's, there's that a lot more than affordable. there used to be. Yes. Yeah. I think that's the big thing. So as we wrap up here, though, be sure and hang around and watch the video that, that immediately follows this. I mean, you get to actually look at some RVs and to, to see and get a feel for it. And, and I think that you'll find this video very interesting. This has been another episode of Life's Third Act. Till next time, take care. You've been listening to Life's Third Act a podcast for thriving in retirement. 
sponsored by Tucker Allen, your estate and elder law advisors. Each week, we discuss topics and answer questions to help you better plan for your future. For more information, visit TuckerAllen.com. Subscribe and listen again next week for another edition of Life's Third Act. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely on advertisements.